Well, good morning and welcome to Grace. I am Pastor Ryan. Today's message is one that isn't often stressed in our church today, but it is of primary importance to the New Testament writers. When it comes to our understanding of peace that comes from knowing God, we are talking about a treasure that we need to employ at the top level of our theology and practice. We do not know what true peace is outside of knowing Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today as we examine this very precious gemstone, peace. It seems fitting that we're going through technical difficulties today as I'm preaching on a sermon on peace, does it not? Uh, One of the things that causes me the most anxiety is when I've got to be somewhere at a certain time and I don't know where I'm going. Does anyone else have that? Right, that you, you need to show up at this location, but I don't quite know where it is. Uh, once upon a time, this is for all the young folks in church today, uh, in order to find directions, we had to look at paper that had lines on it. We used to have to do that. Um, I remember when I was uh, traveling uh, back and forth from seminary and, and college, and um, it was quite a long distance. I had the maps out there right beside me as I'm driving, and sometimes it was late into the evening and you couldn't see well and one I remember one night in particular torrential rain was pouring down and uh, I missed an intersection in Ohio one highway went 75 the other one went 71 and uh, I went unfortunately to Lexington where I did not intend to go and didn't know it till I got there (laughs) but I needed to be somewhere What anxiety this causes. Well, you know what? There's something that these uh, new gadgets that we have can do. And uh, that's that's handing off the the control is what it is. It's it's a handing off of what you thought you were capable of doing to a, a device that knows far better than you where everything is. Praise the Lord for GPS. Amen? Yeah. Um... When, when you think about what a GPS does, and I love it when I can just punch in the uh, destination, it not only tells me right where that is, it can tell me what time I'm going to get there. Uh, it can tell you how fast you're going. It can tell you things that you don't even know. And this is some of the amazing uh, attributes of what a GPS can do. Because in my mind, what's happening in, in the network of satellites that surround the Earth It's looking down right at you. It knows right where you are. And it knows right where you need to be. Not only does it see where you are and the destination of where you're going, but it sees everything in between. Uh, I I don't know if you've encountered this on a trip or a journey, but I've had it reroute me around construction before. Has anyone seen that? Um, That these, these little devices, they keep tabs of all of the devices on the road. And they can tell when one starts slowing down and a bunch starts slowing down. They say there's congestion ahead. We found a route that will save you 10 minutes. It looks down and it can see not only where you are and not only where you need to be, it can see the mess all in between. And on a moment's notice, it can reroute you around. It can take you on the path that will get you to where you need to go. I'm using that as an illustration this morning, talking about an attribute that God has that we don't. You and I, we live in a world we only see the next moment by virtue of losing the one we're in. We only exist one second at a time. I cannot predict what will happen in five minutes. I can't say what the next hour will bring. But our God lives in a dimension beyond the restriction of time that we have. And in a blink of an eye, he can look at it at a glance. He knows where you are. 
He knows the speed you're going. He knows all of the uh, unique characteristics that make up the situation and the place in life right where you are. And he knows where you need to be and how to get you there on time. He sees it all. He knows the next five minutes. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows the end from the beginning and you and I don't. Anybody here married to somebody who doesn't like to ask for directions? Anybody have one of those? I see a couple of hands shoot right up. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We uh, sometimes I know it tends to be with the male side of the species. We do not like to ask for directions. I know I've just preached to myself here for a moment. Is that it shows a level of insecurity on my own part if I have to ask someone for directions? Right. Somehow, apparently, I don't know where I'm going, and I need help with that. This message on peace is one that we need to hear many, many times because in that same foolish insecurity whereby we think, I can't admit I don't know how to get there myself, you and I, we live our Christian life that same way many times. Thinking that we got this on our own. How how foolish would that be? When you could ask the one who knows, who sees that bird's eye perspective for help. He knows exactly where you need to be, but you and I so many times say, No, I got this. I can do it. I don't need anybody's help with this. And how very foolish that we do not turn to God as quickly as we should. Uh, Peace. Peace is something that is, for the Christian, something that ought to be seen regularly. But unfortunately, you and I, we just don't see it often enough. I, I, I literally ran out of slides that I could put on peace. And one of the things that struck me, which somehow I've missed, is how very uh, regular for the Apostle Paul the concept of peace was to be to the church. In fact, every time he would write a letter, and you can go through this, um, he says, grace and what? Peace be to you. I, I just started listing them and I ran out of room. There's more that are contained. It's not only at the beginning of his letter. He says it again at the end of his letter. Now, show of hands. How many people in here want grace? Uh, How important is grace on a scale of 1 to 10? Where are you going to put grace on the gemstones of the things that we're studying? It's right at the top, right? I mean, I want to be talking about grace like number one. And in fact, as we started the series, that that was our first gemstone to look at was grace. For the Apostle Paul, how important is peace? Right? It's number two. It's number two. And the problem with you and I is this. And this is why I'm emphasizing this. Because I really want you to pay attention on this message. That we have got to become the kind of Christians who divorce ourselves from the false temporary versions of peace that the world offers. I got this. I got this. Don't tell me how to get there. I'll get there myself. You and I, we we live in a world of, of foolish understanding. And we need to divorce ourselves of that. And we need to come back to a very biblical, true understanding that the concept of peace ought to be as regular for the Christian as grace. I need grace every day. Folks, you and I, we need peace as much as we need grace. And it's one of the things that we just don't encounter often enough that we would pay attention to it. Um, How many people here know how to do uh, quadratic equations? Oh, you guys don't. Uh, so, so we have a teacher who knows how to do it, and we got a medical professional who knows how to do it, right? Here's the thing. At one point, you all knew how to do this, 
right? Quadratic formulas and quadratic equations, that's like seventh grade algebra, right? There was a time where I could hand out the test and you all be able to do it because you were studying it. But what happened? You forgot how to do it, right? This is what I think it's like with Christian peace. Today, my hope is that we're going to leave here and we're all going to be like, I got it. I get it again. I recognize what peace looks like. The problem is, if we don't continue to re- revisit this, if we, if we don't continue to embrace peace as much as we need grace in our lives, it's going to be like anything that you once learned in seventh grade. You're going to forget it too quickly. And my, my, my point in emphasizing this at the beginning of our message is just to, to, to Im- cause the call of an embrace on the believer to say, peace is something that I need to reorient my mind around and find out how the Bible speaks about it. Because we have a lot of pressures in this world, right? Do, a lot of things to think about. A lot of concerns. Uh, my, my wife and I have been recently meeting with a retirement planning um, investment company, thinking, thinking about the future. Oh boy, that'll get you depressed right away, start thinking about the future. You, you've got uh, 401ks, Roth IRAs, 457s, 403cs. Uh, and then you've got uh, health insurance, car insurance, life insurance, homeowners insurance, disability insurance. And then you got to start thinking about kids' college, kids' homework, kids' extracurricular activities, sports, music, arts, light bills, gas bills, phone bills, mortgage bills, food bills, vehicles bills, medical bills, tax bills, internet bills. Oh, should we just pray? Should we just pray? That's how I feel. I, I, I'm sure you, you're with me on this list, that there is a bazillion things in our world that are kind of leveled at you on a buffet of, hey, here, let this stress you out for a while. And the more that you and I begin to look at that from a worldly perspective, the more you and I begin to look for solutions from a worldly perspective. We, we need to reorient how we think about the challenges that we face. And there are many and they are significant. They're, they're things that we must pay attention to. What I hope for us to do today is be, be given a... Um, it's not really a formula like the quadratic formula, but it, it's a new way of recognizing the biblical tool of handling anxiety, of handling stress in our life. Uh, this idea of peace in the scriptures is one that I think we, first of all, get wrong uh, I think if you and I were to write down what is, what is peace in our life, I, I bet you would put down some version of tranquility. You guys know what that word means? Tranquility, you can think of, uh, I, I was driving in uh, this morning and uh, crossing uh, the, uh, the mine in Iron Mountain, there was this mist that was just rising from the water. If anybody lived on a lake, did you see that this morning? There's this beautiful mist. No waves like glass. And, and, and the sun is brightly shining. The, it's deep blue colors. With all the rain we've got, uh, the, the vegetation is uh, bright green. Tra- tranquility, right? That, that's what peace means, right? Nope. That's not what the biblical understanding of peace is. In fact, tranquility is actually a corresponding result of peace. But it's not where you find peace. We, we get that wrong. We start chasing after this, the, uh, the end result of peace whilst missing what the Bible has to say on it. In the Old Testament, they had a special word for peace. Anyone know what it is? Shalom. Have you heard that before? Say that with me. Ready? Shalom. Yeah. Uh, sometimes used as a greeting or a, a way of uh, helping the person that you're seeing recognize, you know, hey, how are you doing? That, that's in our, our world today. What, what they would say back then would be, Shalom or, or peace 
be with you. And this word shalom, which means peace, has a very beautiful, rich understanding to it. It's literally the concept of completeness or wholeness. It means there's nothing that's left out. Whatever it is that you are setting your mind to or whatever it is that, that you need occupied such that it will be finished, shalom is the completion of that. You guys remember a little jack-in-the-box? Dun, 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 dun. You remember that thing? Yeah. So uh, let, let me just show you what the absence of shalom would be. All right, here we go. You don't have shalom right now. Right? What, 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 what do you want? What, what's your brain telling you you need to do? You got to finish it, right? Done. Dun, da, da, da. All right, got that done. Or how about this one? Dun, dun, da, da, dun. You're, you, you have to do it, right? You can't leave it hanging. You've got to get to the end. Yeah, it's not finished. It's not completed. Sh- Shalom is the completion of it. Uh, when I was in uh, school, one of the things that caused me more anxiety than anything is when we would have a timed test. Do you guys remember those? Teacher would say, all right, you have 10 minutes starting now. And my brain just turns on high gear, right? It's like the RPMs go all the way up. I'm, I'm trying to remember everything I can. And one of the problems that I would have is I'd write too much on the earlier questions. And he'd say, five minutes left. And I got more, I got more than half of the test left. So I'd start leaving out stuff, trying to get one minute left, and I got three questions left. And then he says the words that nobody wants to hear, time's up, pencils down, and in slow motion I go, no. <laughs> because I, I'm, it's not finished, right? It, it's not complete. I, I don't have a sense of a wholeness. I am missing this. I'm missing peace. When you think of a biblical definition of peace, it's not tranquility it's wholeness it's a completeness in your life the writer of the book of ecclesiastes says that god has placed eternity on the hearts of men and it doesn't matter if you're a christian or a non-christian you can ask anybody in this world uh, is the world we live in broken and they will say what it is. Even those who follow after the ways of the world, they recognize, no, there's still something that doesn't seem right. And if they're honest, they'll say, not only is the world broken, I'm broken. And I, I recognize a deficiency in myself. There, there's a, the vacuous part that's missing in my life. God has ordained this such that you and I would call out and cry out and such that we would find him. For the word of God says that he's not far, but he is near. He is right there. The very word is in your mouth spoken to the Jewish people. And yet many times we lack the wholeness that can only be found in God. We lack this sense of completion in our life. For the believer, for the Christian, you've been made whole. And you have been given the promise of resurrection and eternal life. The problem is you and I, we have failed to embrace that as our shalom We have failed to embrace that as our true peace. Uh, This morning, we're going to look in a passage of Scripture in the book of Philippians. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the book of Philippians with me. We're going to look at just a a couple of verses. Again, we're going to try to address this as a message uh, that's one we need impressed as much as we need grace. We need to understand peace. 
And so as we walk through this, I'm actually going to be preaching like two sermons in one. So this is a twofer today, all right? You're, you're going to get two for one, although the second one's going to be very short. So um, the, the, the reason I say that is because there's just so much more in this text than I have the time to cover. And really, we're going to look through Philippians in the future. We're actually going to go through this in a, in a study on our Sunday mornings. But before we get there, the scope of today is, is peace. That's what we're studying. And so I want, to, I want to laser in. I want to focus in on that. And then i got to give you a little bit more of what Paul's saying there. Philippians chapter 4, 1830. page 1830 in the Pew Bibles. We're going to read, really we're going to land in 6 and 7 of, of chapter 4. Uh, but I, let, let me start in verse 4 of chapter 4. Paul says these words. Everybody with me? Philippians 4? Here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is perhaps one of the very best passages on peace. And what I want us to do is I, I want to explain it to you. It's pretty much my job as the pastor is to make sure that you can make good sense of this text. And so five observations on true peace. Number one, coming from uh, verse seven, he says uh, that the peace of who? Did you catch it? It's the peace of God. This is not peace from the world. This is not peace through therapy. This is not peace through medication. The source of this peace is God alone. Uh, there was um, this youth leader when I was uh, in high school. Um, we, we had a big youth event. And for whatever reason, I had a splitting headache this particular day. And he said, there's a pressure point right here on your thumb that if you press it, it can help relieve your headache. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Now, what he did not tell me is that when you begin to massage and press on this point when you have a headache, it will make you want to cut your head off, is what it will do. It's so much pain. And, he, and I, I remember like I'm fighting back tears. What are you crying? No, I'm not crying. It hurts so bad though, uh, that your headache doesn't hurt anymore. I think that's how it works, right? <laughs> you just inflict so much more pain over here. Um, I, I remember after having gone through that, that one day my wife came to me and she said, I have a headache. <laughs> and my memory light bulb went on. Hey, I know a way that you can solve your headache without having to go for medicine. Just let me, look, that didn't go well. I'll just tell you that. that. That experience didn't go too well. My point in telling you this is that sometimes you just need to go for the medicine. Sometimes you just need to go for the source of what will relieve whatever is causing the turmoil or the anxiety. Unfortunately, you and I, we don't do that in our world. We, we will chase after these other things that we think might help, that we, that we think will solve our problem, rather than going to the source of peace. I, I just need to get away. I just need to go on the deer blind. I just need to, just need to be alone. Or I, I just need to... Uh, whatever that is, where you fill in the blank... There's only one thing that really works. There's only one medicine that for sure will solve the anxiety. Because true peace is whose? It's God's. You, you, need, to, you need to turn to the, to the right bottle, which is God's. You need to turn to the right 
uh, place in the medicine cabinet, which is God's for whatever problem that you had. Not any of the extra things that you and I look for in this world. Uh, we heard it already, John 14. Listen to Jesus' words. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give it to you as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled. And don't be afraid. No, a couple, couple of things here. Uh, first of all, we need to understand the context of what's going on in this passage. John chapter 14, Jesus has been with his disciples for three years, and he drops a bombshell. He says, I am going to leave. And where I go, you can't follow. And the disciples are like, what? They, uh, I, we, none of us saw this coming. This can't be the case. And they begin to panic. And, and Jesus really works through their turmoil. and their, They're like, well, tell us where you're going. And, and we'll follow you no matter what. And Jesus continues to have to reassure them that, look, it's actually okay if I go. And if I go, I'm going to give you something. He talks about the Holy Spirit. And in the same breath as he's speaking about the coming of the comfort of the counselor who will lead his people into all truth, he says these words, peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. And he shows a difference here between the world's solutions for our anxieties and God's solution. It's his next line here that we need to pay attention to. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Look, either the peace that comes from God will lead to this or Jesus is lying. Are we on, this, are we on the same page with that? Either the peace of God works because the command that comes right after the peace of God is, so don't be afraid. You don't have anything to fear. How, how are you doing today coming to church? Is there anything that's pressing upon your heart? Anything you're afraid of? Anything that you got a little anxiety about? Anything that's a big question mark in your mind that says, God, I just don't know if I see a solution or if I see an answer to this. And you and I very quickly in striving to solve the many problems of this world are going to turn to the places we shouldn't except recognize this. Number one, true peace is God's. It's God's. It comes from God. All right. Number two is this. True peace surpasses all Understanding In the sermon notes, I put down the same as the translation in the NIV, but I'm going to quibble with that today. Uh, it, it uses the word transcends all understanding. I really don't like that phrase uh, because it, 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 it confuses us as to what Paul is saying here. Uh, when Paul says that it surpasses or transcends all understanding, he uses a really cool Greek word for this. Uh, Hupa exo. Which means it's superbly greater. That's what it means. He actually, this word's only used a handful of times in the New Testament, but Paul uses it three times in the book of Philippians. If you keep your spot here in chapter 4, I want to point out to you. Go to chapter 2. In chapter 2, verse 3, he says these words. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility... Consider others huparexo. Consider others as better than yourself. That's what the word means. All right? If you track with me to the next chapter, chapter 3. In verse 7, he says, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss compared to the, does your Bible say surpassing? Yeah. The surpassing greatness. 
Huperexo. It's the same word used again. Now, what does Paul mean when he says consider others as superior? What does he mean when he says to know Christ is superior? He doesn't mean that it, it's just uh, intellectually more satisfying. He doesn't mean that it has results that are far better. In fact, it's very simply this. He means its value is greater. Paul, Paul in chapter 3, he's saying, I have everything in the world okay, on this side, and I have knowing Christ on this side. Which is greater? Knowing Christ. It's far greater. It's super exo. It's, it's far beyond in terms of its value. Uh, that's what this word, when it says transcends, uh, I, I, I struggle with that a little bit, but surpasses is a little bit better. So I, I encourage you to make a, a change there for what you have. Here's what that means. It means that even when things don't go the way you want them to go, uh, God's peace is a far greater value than all understanding. Far greater than all understanding. We don't always get an answer to the question, why? Are you guys with me on this? What, why why'd this happen, God? Why did you allow that to happen, God? There, there was a time early, early in ministry. Uh, Emily and I had just got married. Um, I, was, I was volunteering and then I got hired at a church. And I was still helping out in the children's department. And there, there was this one man uh, named Mike who was playing guitar and, and, and helping out. And I was working with him. But it, it, we found out very soon that he had cancer. And it was cancer that spread everywhere. Um, and, and they would have to radiate on the inside. And it was just a mess. Uh, but this guy, was, this guy was strong in his faith. He was, he was serving God. And I remember Emily was so convinced that God was going to heal him. Um, she was co- so convinced of that because uh, she was praying. And you could see that, that this, is, this is a man who's serving the Lord. And, and of course, God's going to uh, hear our prayers and, and answer in a way that we want God to answer. The, the church elders even got together. I remember going to the hospital. And, and we did, even as James says, we anointed him with oil. We prayed and laid hands over him. Unfortunately, Mike died. And that was a real, that was a real difficulty for Emily. That, that was maybe one of the first times in her life where God did not answer in the way that she wanted him to. Do you know God always answers? It's only one of three answers. It's either yes, no, or wait. That's it. Yes, no, or wait. If you're asking God for something and you get a yes, hot dog. Hey, yeah, I got no problem then. But what if you get a no or a wait? You, you still have the pressure of the anxiety pressing upon you. You still lack the concept of shalom. You, you're not made whole through this. Unless you have the peace of God that is of far greater value than all understanding. Are you catching this? I'm, I'm not going to let up on this until we catch this. So I, I got to hear an amen from you or something that you're getting this. All right. Here, here's what it means. It means that God's peace is greater than the explanation. You and I, we want the explanation. Come on. You know you do. What you're facing. Look, if I just knew why this was happening to me. Just tell me the reason why. And then I'll, I'll have understanding then. I'll, I'll know why I'm going through what I'm going through. But you're praying to God and he's saying, son, just wait. Just, that's all I got to say to you right now. Just wait. Without the peace of God, you and I grasp for that understanding. But you know what Paul says? He says the peace of God is huperexo, all understanding. 
What this means is that the Christian can go through a trial in this life where, the, where maybe your neighbors or your relatives, they look at you and they say, boy, you must just be going nuts with this thing that you're facing. And you reply to them, no, not really. Actually, I have peace about it. Oh, did you find out why you're going through it? Did you get an understanding? No, I, I still don't know why. I still don't know why this is happening to me. Well, then how do you have peace? How, how, how is it you're not flipping out right now? Um, it's because I've given it to God. I have peace because I have God's peace. And do you know what God's peace is? It's better than understanding. I don't need to have an answer to the question why. I only need to know the one who is in the driver's seat. I only need to know the one who has his hand on the wheel. And he knows the answer to the reason why, even if I don't. Y'all catching this? Amen or no? What is it? All right, good. So number two, it surpasses all understanding. Uh, Number three, true peace guards. Awesome verb. Awesome verb. And and, and we would miss it, but this is what God's peace does. Did you see it in verse seven? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard. Uh, Paul uses a really cool word here. He shifts from any sort of spiritual word, and he picks one out of the military. So uh, Philippi, that's the town that this church is in. It is a, it's a military town. Um, it, a lot of retired soldiers are there. They got barracks uh, not too far away in the city. And you find a lot of very military-minded, you know, these are the guys that expect dinner at this time and, and get everything right. I mean, yes, sir, and no, sir, and, and that's right. And, I mean, that's how they are, the military He picks the word that refers to a battalion of soldiers when they're called to duty and they're told to guard this post. Now, what do you think a battalion of soldiers is going to do when they're told to guard a post? Are they going to be playing solitaire? No. They're going to be playing hopscotch? No. These guys are going to be, right? I mean, they, they are on this. They are guarding They are watching over. And that's actually one of the phrases that's uh, used as a synonym for this word. To watch over. Um, Micah, my son, is 10. And he's just about at the age where he can can watch over his his younger sister, uh, Sadie. And every now and then we try to give a little bit of responsibility. And the instruction that goes to Micah is this, son. Watch over your sister. And that means that he can't go off playing his little devices or, or riding his bike around town. He's got to sit and he has to stay focused with his attention attuned to her because he's been tasked with the job of guarding. There's another place. I don't want you to just believe me off this. The the word is true, but in Colossians, Paul says something very similar to the church. Listen to his words. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's that same idea. That the peace of God is so very in charge that it is authoritatively Watching over your heart. He says, since you're members of one body and you were called to peace and to be thankful. That's the word, the rule that I want you to see. I want you to see the continuity here as Paul teaches. Because true peace, it guards your heart. Like a garrison of soldiers. I want you to notice, however, what it does not say. Did you catch that in verse 7? Look with me one more time. It does not say, in the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will give you what you want. Does your Bible say that? Mine doesn't say that. Uh, Nowhere is the command, 
Or even the promise of Scripture given that if you just pray about this thing here, God like a genie is going to give you what you want. It doesn't say that. It says something better than that. It says that He will guard your heart and your mind like a battalion of soldiers watching over. That's what true peace does. True peace doesn't take a day off. Godly peace, the kind that belongs to God, doesn't come and then go. You don't have God's peace. If at one moment, and after church, you're like, oh, I totally get it. I got peace over this thing. And then Monday, you're like, I'm still freaking out about it. You don't have God's peace then. It's like the quadratic formula. You, You had it, and then you lost it. All right? You need to continue to remind yourself of what true peace looks like. It's God's peace. Surpasses all understanding. It guards. Fourthly, it rules. And I'm, I'm co-opting that word from Colossians. So it rules over hearts and minds. I don't know if you found that interesting. It doesn't say circumstances. It doesn't say it'll change the trial. But it's going to rule over your heart and your mind. Many times in scripture, that phraseology will be used to refer to everything that comports to you uh, that's immaterial. Your heart. Not your thump, 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 thump. Not that one. The seat of your emotions. That heart. And your mind. Not your brain. But the, the seat of your intellect. The, the, the parts of you that make up an immaterial concept of God. The truth of the gospel that resides in your heart and your mind, God's peace will guard. So here, very simply saying that the the fullness of your life, of who you are, will be protected by peace. What did shalom mean again? Do you remember that? Complete and wholeness, right? Do, Do you see a little echo of shalom right here? When he says heart and mind, he's talking about everything. It's going to guard over everything. That means that you got the light bill that you can't pay. And, and maybe your mind can think about it, but you're still freaking out emotionally. That's not God's peace. The fullness of your anxiety will be covered by true peace when it comes from God. All right, lastly is this. It is found in Christ Jesus. This is, this is a pretty important one because to be able to have the peace of God. Hear me now. You first must have peace with God. It will do you no good to chase after a peace of God. Like the peace that comes from him. If you do not first have peace with him. And that's what Paul means here when he says that it's found in Christ Jesus. Uh, Romans chapter 5. Look at this. Therefore, since we have been justified. That's a huge word. That's salvation right there. Look, if you're justified, you're saved. It's a locked in, done deal. You're a new child of God. It can never be removed from you. You can't fall away from it. You are his child. He has ownership over you in the same way that you can't take something out of a strong man's hand. Jesus says nobody can pluck out of the hand of the father those who've been given Jesus. If you're justified, you are his. Take to the bank. But if you've not been justified by faith, guess what you don't have? You don't have peace with God. So first and foremost, if you want the peace of God, if you want to be able to handle with the right solution any anxiety in this world, you've got to get right with God first. Since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. What it means to have your 
peace from God being locked in uh, is only through the completed work of Jesus Christ. Fullness is found in Jesus alone. Did you know that? Fullness. Every other religion in this world, other than Christianity, is continuing to try to make it there. Did you know that? Christianity is the only religion on earth where that which needs to be completed by you has been completed by its God. Our God has completed it. Every other faith, you, you pick, pick, it, pick it out of a hat, and I can take time and show you how what they are doing right now is trying to get there. They're trying to work there. They're trying to earn it. Uh, we, we got the Jewish New Year starting soon. Well, if, if you believe in the, the Jewish God that is not found in the Messiah, Jesus Christ, then you know that he is not pleased with you and you need to make, make your prayers. And if you believe in, in the Muslim God, uh, in fact, they got some uh, ho- holy things starting uh, right in this month as well. Um, you, you need to make sure that you're following every aspect of the pillars of their faith, including giving and sacrificing and fasting and making a pilgrimage to Mecca. Because Allah won't be pleased with you unless you do it. It is only Christianity where everything that needs to be done. What did Jesus say on the cross? It is, has been done. It is finished. So true peace, it's God's peace. It surpasses all explanation or understanding. It guards the fullness of who you are every moment. And it's found only in Jesus Christ. I wanted to put down some ways that you and I can gauge whether or not we have true peace. Number one, it's supernatural, which means it doesn't depend on my circumstances. Right? I don't need to be taken out of the situation in order for me to have peace. True peace from God doesn't depend on circumstances because it's not natural. It comes from who? It comes from God, which means it's supernatural peace. Secondly, it is unexplainable. Even if you could explain it, it wouldn't matter. Because true peace, peace from God, what does it say? Surpasses. Yeah, remember, it doesn't say some understanding. Did you notice that? The peace from God surpasses most understanding. Some under, all understanding. Which means it's unexplainable. It's that family member that just doesn't get it. Why are you so happy? Why, why do you have so much contentment? It's because I know, I know the true living God. And he has given me peace. Doesn't matter what I face. I have peace. Thirdly is this. It's unshakable. You've got to remember that it's being guarded. The peace of God guards you. That's an authoritative rule. At no moment of God's authority over your heart does God's peace start to get nervous. Did you know that? It never starts to get nervous. If I was on a battalion of soldiers having to keep watch at a post and I saw the enemy coming, I might start to freak out a little bit. I might. I might start to get nervous. You know, kind of looking around at your other buddies. Hey, do you see them? Look how big they are. They got horses. You, you, you and I might start to get nervous when trials start to come our way, but that's not what happens with God. God's peace is unshakable from our circumstances. So no matter what it is that you begin to face, how can I tell when I have true peace? It's not shaken. And that's not by virtue of me. That's because it comes from Him. And it says that it will guard my heart and my mind. 
Uh, it's holistic. And, and this has to do with this concept of our, our minds and our hearts. All of that immaterial seat of who we are is being guarded by God's peace. Which is very likely the same idea as the Jewish understanding of shalom. It's a wholeness. It's completion. It's all taken care of. And lastly, uh, you can tell when you have true peace when it rests upon the joy of knowing Jesus not, not as that guy who hung on a cross. Not as the, the good teacher, the rabbi Jesus. No, 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 no. You will have true peace when it rests in the joy of knowing him as your Lord. Lord is a word that means master. It means he's in charge. He rules my life. And if he is my Lord, then I can rest. Knowing that no matter what I face, he's going to take care of it. So let me, that's my first sermon. You ready for the second one? Here we go. Second sermon has to do with how Paul gets us there in verse 6. So very, very briefly, I want you to see this. And this is the conclusion that the avenue to true peace. You, you, you want to know the path to get there? How do I get to true peace? He, he actually tells us in this passage and we read it. Number one, it's intentional. You don't get there by accident. Whoops. I got to... Uh, uh, Ralph one day by accident. You, you, don't, you don't get to true peace by accident. Took a wrong turn, somehow ended up. So that's not how you get there. It's intentional. Look back at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Why does he got to say it twice? Look, if you got kids, you know why you have to say things twice, right? Because they don't really believe it the first time. Paul says it here twice because he says, you got to believe me. When I say rejoice... I mean it. Again, I say to you, say it with me, ready? Rejoice. Rejoice! It's intentional. It's a decision to go chase after true peace. Number two, it's continual. Look down at verse six. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Uh, what's everything mean? Everything. It means everything. So this isn't just a choice I started at one time. This is a choice over everything in my life. It's continual. It's also all-encompassing. The same idea of everything, but I'm actually going to pick up the word before it. Do not be anxious about anything. Do you know what anything means? It means anything. That's right. This means that the, the peace that you're pursuing is found after praying for an all-encompassing request. No matter what it is that you face. Everything. Because you're not supposed to be anxious about any of it. Any of it. What about retirement? No, any of it. What about the kids' college fund? Don't worry about it, God says. Now, don't be irresponsible at the same point. I see some of you thinking, he ain't going to save for his kids' college, is he? <laughs> Look, don't be irresponsible. You, you and I have plenty of principles by which to live our lives by and manage our money by. We should follow every single one of those. But don't be anxious about those things that you're nervous about and can't control. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. What else do I have here? Oh, thankful. This is a big one. Look at this. But by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. We missed that one. I could go 20 minutes on that. I won't, but I could. Because here's the point. When we get down to pray, God, I, I, I'm facing this trial. And I pray that you would take it from me. What did I forget? I forgot to thank him for the trial. What? Why did the pastor not get enough sleep last night? He's saying, thank God for trials. That doesn't seem right. The Bible throughout those who know Jesus Christ will give you these words. Take joy. Rejoice over your trials. 
when you face various kinds of challenges, because we know that the trials we face are a testing of our faith. And our faith needs to be tested and needs to be grown so that we will learn to persevere and become mature in all things, recognizing he is Lord over them all. If you miss the thanksgiving, you kind of miss the point of the trial. There's not a single thing that is happening to you or has happened to you in your life that God was like, whoops. God knows every little thing that's happening to you. And he's allowing them to come because he's allowing your faith to grow. And so when you bring your prayers to him, don't miss the thanksgiving. Don't miss the opportunity to thank him for the trial. And that's a tough one. You've already heard me say many, many times, you've got to remind ourselves of these things because we, we forget it as soon as we leave here. Lastly, applicational prayer. And this has to do with the idea of present your request to God. Um, God wants to know what you're facing. Don't just come to him and say, Lord, uh, help me with today. Get specific. What is it that you want God's help with? God longs for you to bring your requests so that he can change your heart. Because the answer to our anxiety is the peace of God. And the peace of God is found through prayer. Let me give it to you a little shorter. Give it to God. Just give it to God. 